This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. We are starting off today uh, by discussing a book called The Visible Invisibles. Um, And this is, like we said earlier in the introduction, a story of... um, Migrant Workers Told Through Their Own Voices. It's a book by Shivaji Das and Yolanda Yu. So this, um, you know, ever since I heard that this was being published, I found the approach really interesting because it does explore some pretty heavy themes, right? Uh, Power imbalances between employers and employees, um, love, death, religion, racism, friendship, alienation, family dynamics, digital inequality. So there's a whole lot here. And I think the reason we get such a wide uh, spectrum of issues and and very human issues is because precisely of what we said, the fact that there's been a lot of care with this book to have the stories be told directly from the point of view of migrant workers. Um, And specifically, I think in a way that um, we're not quite used to hearing because often we hear big picture issues. We hear big picture stories, um, things about um, or, um, you know, and, and in this case, I think this, this takes a, a much more human approach. And of course, why we should care about it. We are, as we know, heavily dependent on the labour of both documented un- and undocumented migrant workers, uh, people who come from Indonesia, Nepal, Bangladesh, among other places. And despite the fact that there are people who will, of course, argue for um, better treatment, better rights for our migrant workers. Many of said workers still struggle um, and some of the issues they face include being underpaid, risk of abuse, enduring poor working conditions, uh, all things that have been made worse by the pandemic. And so, like you said, Sharmila, the book tells the stories of people who work in our region in their own words. Um, they include a number of personal experiences, um, including domestic workers in Singapore talking about finding love in a foreign land or the hopelessness of finding love in a foreign land, Um, how an undocumented factory worker in our country took refuge in the wild to escape from the police, among others. Again, that book is The Visible Invisibles. We are also going to be hearing shortly by the authors of the book um, to tell us more about it in their own words. Again, uh, that would be Yolanda Yu and Shivaji Das. Uh, Let us know what you think. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio BFM eighty nine point nine. Burger, fries, Milo, BFM eighty nine point nine. The business station. BFM 89.9, it is 5.20 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. We're talking today about uh, the stories of migrant workers in Asia um, and this is told through the book of The Visible Invisibles. Uh, we are joined now by its authors, Yolanda Yu and Shivaji Das. Uh, good to have you both with us. Uh, Shivaji, thanks for speaking with us. So how did the idea to collect these stories first come about and how did you both decide to collaborate on this project together? Okay, so uh, both of us, uh, we are writers, uh, but uh, myself, I've been doing largely travel writing, and uh, Yolanda has been doing more of fiction and uh, poetry. Um, but uh, during the pandemic, of course, I couldn't travel much, and uh, the publisher, Penguin, also approached us 
talking about this topic given our backgrounds of working with the migrant communities. So we thought, yeah, this is an interesting topic that we can handle and also an important topic that we can work upon uh, during this period. So much of the work was done during the pandemic period. And uh, yeah, we haven't really worked together before. As I was saying, we have uh, different uh, directions in which our literary journeys have taken shape so far. Uh, so this was the first time I think we worked together. And uh, yeah, incidentally, we are also working together on another project, uh, another book project, uh, which should be seeing the light of the day end of this year. Uh, but maybe we'll pause after that. <laughs> <laughs> that should give you some clue on how the journey is going. <laughs> uh, so one of the first things that you do notice about the book, of course, is the diversity of voices, uh, whether from security guards and domestic workers who live alongside us in Malaysia, or those who are working in far-flung places like the mines in China. Talk to us about the process of finding people to share these stories. So I think there were uh, a few considerations in that planning process. We wanted to have a good coverage of diversity. Um, and that diversity includes a few dimensions such as profession, uh, host country, and also the uh, their, the country they come from. And also is the, the kind of stories that uh, people have. So when it comes to geography, we we basically activated different networks in the different countries that uh, some of which we have already worked with uh, in the past uh, because of the Global Migrant Festival. Um, so some of the uh, uh, people have really kindly supported us in in terms of the outreach. Um, some of the interviewees are those who we already were in touch or given friends from the previous work as well. Yeah, and also in some cases, uh, because this work was done during the pandemic and that limited our options in terms of being on the ground uh, in all these various places. Uh, so we also dug into our interviews that we had done as part of our travel or just being in different countries and having interacted with these communities. So that's how this came into shape, the whole coverage of people we have provided. And each story has its um, you know, own individual style and voice. It's very personal. How did interviewees feel about opening up to share their life story? Um, some of the uh, migrant workers who we have profiled, uh, we knew them for a very long time. So they had a certain amount of trust in us and they were rather open in sharing their stories. And uh, in some cases, we managed to reach out to them through, uh, say, nonprofits who they trusted and therefore uh, they knew that this was for a purpose they could feel secure about. Um, and that perhaps brought about uh, their openness in sharing these stories. Uh, but also, I think uh, many were cautious too. And uh, the way they approached this, um, especially uh, migrant workers in places where they saw challenges uh, that could happen from, say, government or their employers if uh, their personal details were too obvious. And in these cases, 
they decided to either opt for different names, pseudonyms, or even stay anonymous. Yeah? So I would say that a good majority of the uh, people we have profiled, the migrant workers we have profiled, uh, they have uh, been very open. And the others have been open, but they have chosen to uh, have their identities uh, either uh, hidden under different pseudonyms or go as anonymous as well. So I'll come in from another aspect. Uh, I think quite a number of them see it as a great honor to be able to share their stories and, and in a way, having a dialogue with the entire uh, migrant community and also the wider community. Uh, there were, you know, many of them were really enthusiastic to, to, to you know, share more <laughs> than we actually ask. And uh, there are also people who see it as really a course of um, acts where they, they, they share what they felt was unfair or what they felt needed to be heard, um, even at the risk of their identity being seen and that quite possibly attract trouble. And they insist that I want to use my real name because I want to uh, make a point. Um, and there are also people who I think they 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 enjoyed the interview journey. Who who told us that it's about you know it helped them to to have a new perspective, looking at their life uh, from a different angle as well. Yeah, and so we are ourselves very honored to have this trust and this openness from the migrant workers as well. I mean, they have shared about their sexual lives, they have shared about their frustrations with their very close family members. And uh, yeah, we are very fortunate to have uh, this opportunity to talk to them. Now, it might be a little unfair to ask this, but were there particular stories that you kept returning to? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, we all have our favorites, perhaps. Uh, my favorite would be the last story, perhaps, about by A.K. Zilani, who talks about how migration transformed himself as a person. And uh, it was not just perhaps migration, but also internet and other avenues which have given him the opportunity to be more free and more liberal in his thoughts. So, and in a way, he has uh, left behind the religion he grew up with. Uh, he left behind many of the traditional thoughts that he is surrounded with back home or even within the migrant community and this transformation that migration was in some way responsible to bring in him uh, is very interesting for me personally actually it's such a hard question because i find it really difficult to choose which one uh many many things in in this book actually in, in the stories um are my favorites. <laughs> One is um, um, the 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 um, domestic help domestic helper. Her dream to to be an architect and how she just went you know randomly walk uh, towards uh, some of the, the the buildings and just appreciate the buildings. Um, and there was also this uh, particular scenery when um, a construction worker, he was uh, always imagining going back to his hometown where there are, you know, a lot of sheep. And then he was sitting on the horse and riding around. <laughs> so it, it's a huge contrast into 
towards the kind of life he has with this concrete jungle. But at the same time, another construction worker is very much uh, taking a lot of pride when, when he walks around in Singapore. And then he says, that building, I built this building, I built that building. And, you know, as if those are his children that he recounts. So, yeah, many of these uh, just uh, yeah, wonderful moments that I, I, I like to revisit. We're on the line today with Yolanda Yu and Shivaji Das, the authors of The Visible Invisibles, a book that tells the stories of low-wage migrant workers in their own voices. We'll continue our conversation with them after this. And in the meantime, we want to hear from you. Um, have you had a conversation with a migrant worker, not about their work, just about what they do, why they're here? Um, are you interested in their lives and stories? Let us know. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note to zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Be free minded. BFM 89.9. It is 5.38 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. We've been spending this hour talking about the stories of migrant workers in our country, uh, especially as collected in a book called The Visible Invisibles. Uh, we are speaking to the authors today of that book, Yolanda Yu and Shivaji Das. Um, but we have, we've also been asking you, have you had a conversation with a migrant worker and not necessarily about their work? Um, you know, have you asked them about themselves? Are you interested in their lives and stories? We want to know. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So to return to our interview then, um, many narrations I think within the book are about the sacrifice that lower wage migrant workers experience and the pain of separating from children and families so that they can provide a better life for them. As employers, these may be stories that are very familiar to us, but there's something about reading it in their own words that brings a different dimension. Um, why is that? Yolanda, maybe you can start us off here. To me, um, again, this is my personal interpretation and we do want to avoid over-interpretation here. Um, but to me, I, I think... There are many components about behind that uh, statement of sacrifice. It's in a way offers a meaning to uh, for for people who feel they are not in the most ideal life situations. And on the other hand, it also makes us think: what is behind that? What what is in the society making this making some people having to have to sacrifice. It shows that the lack of choices um, in life, that they cannot have uh, multiple things at one one time. Um, and I think we also have multiple stories where people are not motivated by sacrifice. They are motivated by growth uh, or motivated by having a choice in life. So I think that's uh, you know only part of the many voices around the topic. I think there is also a life for many of them in the host country, um, namely like some some people felt almost like an escape from the reality back at home from the more uh, conservative uh, society. So in a way, they have life in in the in a new place. Um, some of them have social life. Have some of them found life with their you know the, the employer's family and some of them talked about uh, dating and the potential of meeting future partners as well 
Yeah, and that's where, again, a direct voice uh, helps us to understand more. Uh, one example I would give is uh, the account by Mohammed Sharif about uh, the flights leaving from Bangladesh after the holidays or the leaves for the migrant workers over. And the scene he describes at the airport is uh, about especially the ones who have come back home for the first time. And when they're about to go back, their young children clinging on to them and crying a lot. And these are scenes that, you know, for a casual observer or uh, employer or even a general population will be hard to imagine unless they have seen something like this in person. And that's why we wanted to bring about this uh, direct voice. And uh, also for low-wage migrant workers, this sense of sacrifice brings in a different dimension. I mean, we have a lot of expat workers who may be also living away from families and also uh, working hard for their families back home. But just the way the employment contracts work, uh, you know, they have more flexibility in going back home and they have more money uh, to go back home more frequently or bring their families over, which is often not possible for lower wage migrant workers. So these bring a different dimension to this uh, alienation or being away from families uh, for the lower wage migrant workers. The, the other thing is also that, you know, there is this sense of sacrifice, but there is also a sense of frustration, uh, a sense of being exploited by their families, uh, a very immediate relationships like even parents and kids which also comes in for some migrant workers, this obligation to uh, always be giving, this obligation to always be the provider for their family, that can also be burdensome for many migrant workers. There's often this tendency to view migrant workers as one big homogenous group. How might this book challenge those perceptions? Yeah, I think there are a few stories on that, um, such as the uh, sex workers in Thailand who originally come from a different country where they, they have to become refugee and they, they have no nationalities. Um, and there are also, say, for example, the Chinese miner. Um, he, he expressed that he it was simply not an option in his life, or he was not able to imagine that option to take a different route as uh, comparing to becoming a, a migrant worker within the country. So um, it, it just draws that bigger uh, social economic picture where they were, because of the host country's uh, situation or because of the limitation of education or social support, um, they were simply not uh, granted enough choices in many ways um, to, to have more options. Yeah, and uh, for me, uh, again, we just interviewed and profiled about 45 migrant workers uh, in this collection. Uh, I'm sure that there are many, many different uh, varieties, both in terms of reason to migrate, uh, also how migration has shaped themselves, uh, outcome of migration, some have even died while working as migrant workers. So there's a, a very wide diversity and we have tried to capture as much as we could uh, within the scope of this book. And for me particularly, uh, what is also interesting is the, is the contrast between migrant workers who are domestic, uh, say migrant workers within India who go from one province to another, or within China, and then the cross-border migrant workers. And uh, 
even though we may assume that those who are living in their own country may have greater rights and greater say, they are often exploited in uh, much worse ways uh, just because of the difference in economic might they have compared to their employers and the legal entities that they're there. Yeah, so actually most of, or at least uh, half of those who we spoke with, the migrant workers, uh, international migrant workers, they had experience uh, working domestically as well. So who are you hoping or anticipating will pick up a copy of the book? Yeah, I'm just going by, you know, what we have seen in terms of the audiences for the various uh, cultural events that we have been organizing with migrant workers. I believe the same uh, works for this book as well from a sense that we have of the general readership from all the social media comments and all that that we have been getting as a reaction to this book. It seems like it's the younger generation who are the most uh, enthusiastic towards a work like this or towards platforms like uh, migrant work poetry competitions or global migrant festivals. So that is a very positive sign. Uh, most of our volunteers tend to be young, youngish, and uh, most of our readers so far from what we see on social media also happen to be university students or even high school students. So that that is a heartening uh, outcome, I would say, that we have seen from all our years of involvement. And just to close off, where can we find The Visible Invisibles? Yeah, so The Visible Invisible uh, book is available on all good shops, bookstores in Malaysia, Singapore, Australia, and also will be soon available in the United States. And uh, it's in Malaysia, it's available, I believe, in Times Bookstore, Gerangbuda, and a few other places. And it's also available online on Amazon, Shopee, and Lazada. Thank you so much, uh, Shivaji and Yolanda. Uh, thanks so much for speaking with us. That was Shivaji Das and Yolanda Yu, authors of The Visible Invisibles. Again, you can find The Visible Invisibles. Um, I, I think you just heard Shivaji mentioned all the various bookstores in which you can find it. Let us know. We've been asking you for your thoughts on this. Um, have you had a conversation with a migrant worker, are you interested in their lives and stories? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Banish feudal mentality. BFM eighty nine point nine. The Business Station. BFM 89.9. It is 5.50. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sharmila. And we've been spending this hour, really, looking into a book called The Visible Invisibles. Uh, it was authored by our guests, Shivaji Das and Yolanda Yu. And um, it was, it is rather, a collection of stories told by low-wage migrant workers in Asia, around the region, in their own voices, documenting different sorts of experiences. And I think just trying to um, create that sense of personal connection to a group that otherwise sometimes gets vilified quite easily. Um, we've been asking you, have you ever had a conversation with a with a migrant worker what was that like? And um, are you interested in their lives and stories? Because it can very often feel as if we don't really see them. You can let us know your thoughts by calling double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So um, over on 
the messages. We've got a couple. Let's start with uh, Tony, who called earlier to say, a lot of Malaysians who work overseas are also migrant workers because we sacrifice time and opportunities to be with our family in order to make a better life. Uh, And he wanted to know our thoughts on that. Well, I'm actually glad you brought that up, Tony, because um, I think that's absolutely the case. And if, if that's so, even more reason why we should have the empathy um, to understand and, and to treat better the migrant workers who are here in Malaysia. Because I think there is um, exactly like that. They've also sacrificed time with their family to be able to seek opportunities. Yes, I think sometimes there is a little bit of a, a separation or a difference, right? It's like, yeah, but we're not really the same. Um, when in fact, as it's been, as has been pointed out multiple times over, when we go abroad, or in fact, when if and when we migrate uh, to other countries to to live there permanently, I don't know. Um, it doesn't always seem to create empathy, even though you you might think it would. Uh, we also have this from Nadi, who says, "I had a conversation with my ex colleague from the Philippines. He works as a bartender. He actually had a comfortable life back home. The family owns big land, a grocery store. Things took a turn when the father was murdered in front of a store in broad daylight, just because he asked someone not to smoke in front of the store. He was stabbed. So." This friend of mine came here to work and said that the place he comes from is not safe. He seemed devastated and disappointed. I hope he finds his calm one day. Wow, that is quite a story. Um, You know, this is exactly why I appreciate projects like the book that we were talking about, The Invisible Visibles, um, because... People, you know, migrant workers are not a homogenous whole. They are people with individual stories and experiences and challenges and families and love lives. And um, I think we forget that when we so consistently say migrant workers. Yeah, I agree. Um, Also, different motivations for being here. Yes, Um, absolutely. Different things that bring them here. So, again, I... Actually, I was wondering, Shamila, whether you thought that this had to do with um, we generally don't speak to strangers very much anymore, which is something that something else that we've spoken about on the show before, or whether you do think it is specific sometimes to migrant workers where people just feel like, well, what is there to say? I think it is... Some of it is, yes, the not speaking to strangers, but I do think that there is a combination of um, the power distance, um, viewing people as being of a different social class, um, sometimes outright discrimination or racism. You know, I've heard people say things like, if you have a helper either living in or coming in occasionally to help you with cleaning, you shouldn't be too close or too nice to them because then they'll take advantage of you. Yeah. You know, people have these kinds of perceptions about um, the people who are just here to do work and, and earn a wage. So again, we've been talking today about a book called The Visible Invisibles and also asking you, have you had a real conversation with a migrant worker just about their their life um, and are you interested in their lives and stories that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. you can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 you can also of course tweet us at BFM Radio BFM 89.9 You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.